You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. We are honoured to be joined by Pacific FC head coach, Pa Mudaka. Welcome to the show, Pa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Um, we're also joined by our regular co-host, uh, Carlos Benitez. Welcome to the show, Carlos. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Pa, for being. It's an honour to have you in the, in the pub. Thank so, you, uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. So, uh, first question I have for you, man, is... Um, uh, well, as we were just talking there, you're you're in the middle of the off season. So, what does the off season yeah. mean for yourself? Like, what what actually do you have to? What t- type of tasks do you have to do? How do you keep yourself busy? Um, what's the off season like for uh, for a head coach in the CPL? Well, obviously, it was my first year, and it was a very different year, to say it at least, <laughs> this year. You know, and uh, a lot of people are thinking, oh yeah, it's almost over. We get a new year, but yeah. I don't think the pandemic is not going away that quick. So 2020 was uh, was not the year for everybody, but it's a year that everybody will remember, you know, and uh, that's the most important thing. We remember that um, health is important, family is important, you know. Those things that we take for granted, mostly those things are the most important things. So beside that, uh, as a head coach, for me, it's more about looking in further how to make the squad better, stronger, uh, where we need depth, what happened in the seasonal case. You, you watch the games back, you know, and then you start to evaluate, okay, positions, what, what's the need, you know, in those type of positions for us to con- con- compete for championship, you know. So... Family time, which is a very much needed thing, you know, yeah, that is the most important thing for me to downwind family time. But I love the game. So for me, I'm constantly watching football, whether it's on TV or scouting players, you know, for me, it never stopped. It's a, it's a thing I love doing. So it never stopped for me. So I just continue going, you know, as long as I have my downtime with the family, you know, that's the most important thing. Other than that, I enjoy doing what I do. So, uh, as you mentioned, there it's been it's been a hell of a year. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, what? Well, looking back on the Ireland games and all that kind of stuff now, like, uh, yeah, what 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 was it like? It's like your first head coach position, and then life kind of throws this at you. Like, how, how did you cope oh, with man. it, and what was it like from uh, on the inside of all this? Well, I mean, you know, uh, everything is always rosy. You sign, you know, you're happy to be head coach. You're looking forward to it, you know, working with the players. You have big plans of things that you want to achieve. And then just life goes, you know what? No, hold those thoughts for a second, mister. You know, it's like, 
No, just relax a little bit. And you're like, okay, so now what's next? So that's, you know, that's for me, it's, it becomes adaptation. You know, it's like, I'm always like, all right, it is, it is what it is. You know, life is, you don't know what life is going to throw at you. So like Forrest Gump says, life is like a box of chocolate. You never know what you're going to get. So <laughs> that's the best analogy ever. Yeah, that's our you know? uh, that's, that's our first Forrest Gump quote on the show. So thanks for that, man. You know, you said it. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's like it's like you kind of think of it, and you're like, wow. You're like, okay, head coach. Okay, what is going to happen? All right, are we going to have a season? Are we not going to have a season? So therefore, you know, I give uh, I give gratitude to the CPL, to the owners. You know, being a newly league. You know, and then all of a sudden COVID hits you and then it's all right, now what we do? And I think for the for the country, Canada, they needed the decision to go through. And honestly, the what the CPL did in the PI was tremendous, you know, to be able to capture it and put us in a safe bubble and the games were good, you know, stadium, you know, is PI. The virtual stadium, you guys at home could see it. That was fantastic. Even though once in a while, the ball was not to be seen in the air, but that's what you get. But that's, you know, that's the beauty of football. But for me, that's the beauty of uh, adaptation, you know, for me. And I think the CPL adapted well. The players were fantastic. You know, I mean, for me as a head coach, I cannot give enough thanks to the players. My players were tremendous since when we knew that, okay, COVID is on and then we had to quarantine, we had to stay in. And uh, there were times that we, with the individual sessions, we were doing 12 sessions a week because we had to split the groups because you were not allowed to be uh, in a group. So it's like, um, I think that was one of those fittest periods uh, ever since I stopped playing. I never, I never ran so much, but for me it was a blessing. You know, you know. For I, me, I could do with that myself. Uh, oh my! So, so, so did one soccer say to you guys like, "No high balls, keep the ball, low, keep the ball low, because people can't see it at home." No, 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 no. But that was just me because you know, I, you know, I, you know, I pay attention to details. So when they said to me, uh, "Virtual stadium," so you're like, "Oh, that looks, and it look cool." And then I'm watching them. Hey, what's going on? I can't see the ball, you know. And it's and it's just kind of funny. But you can still watch it on even on MLS. You could see it. Sometimes the ball goes, and you're like, oh, okay, it lands back down. So it is it is it is one of those. And for me, it's just to show that all right, yeah, you know, people put thoughts behind it. You know, people truly want to have that uh, fans experience for the for the fans at home. And I think also the fans truly experienced and uh, and uh, were very excited for the games. Because I think there were some really good games, you know. It was uh, it was down to the wire for teams to qualify, you know, and that makes it much better. So the quality was definitely better. Oh, it was there. It was amazing, like watching it from home. Um, I thought ta- the CPL and one soccer pro on an incredible show for us, and the fact that we got any sort of football was was a miracle. Uh, far away there, Carlos. Speaking of your early chocolates, since we're talking about chocolate and making those analogies, your early chocolates were kind of like uh, you play for Cincinnati. So my question for you is, you had a scouting role when you were uh, in FC Cincinnati. Then you yeah. took the manager role, the, the, the manager yeah. assistant role. I, I mean, yeah. um, do you think in modern football, manager should have that extra scouting night? You know, like to reinforce uh, the potential? Um, it's always what do they, you know, they assemble? For me, it's always different. You know, mm-hmm. first of all, people are different. You know, your, your path is different. Your destiny is different. You know, some enjoy it, some don't. Me, me, there's, me, I enjoy. You know, I enjoy all the other parts because 
the, the reason for it, I've been a player. So most of my life, being a player for 20 years, all I needed to focus on getting ready and playing, right? So the other side of the business, you don't get to see when you're a player. You know, you can, you dip a little bit, you will know the scout, but you don't fully know what they all do. You know, you just grasp it a little bit. Once in a while, you will chat with the scout. He say, oh, I traveled there. You know, I was scouting this and this player. But for me, since I love the game, and it's nothing better than when you watch players and sometimes you come across you come across them again, you know, and you're like, ah, all right. So I scouted him. So you kind of know and you kind of build a, uh, how do you say, scouting foundation for yourself for later on because you never know because it's, it's a very small world. Mm-hmm. Even though it's played by millions, on sorry, billions, it's a small wall. Mm-hmm. So you will always going to know somebody who knows somebody or you're going to see somebody that you've seen and you're like, ah, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, I liked him and I maybe watched him. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's, it's just it's just way of, uh, uh, how you say, it, educating myself on mm-hmm. what scouts do. And so when I'm then speaking to my scouts, I know also what questions I'm going to ask and I also know how their thought process will be. Because mm-hmm. I've, because I've done it, and uh, and that's the best way sometimes, mm-hmm. but not for everybody. Some people like it, some people don't like it. But it, for me, it, it gave me opportunity to travel to South America, Colombia. You mm-hmm. know, see those countries. See, there's a lot of good players as well. Yeah. So it just opened your eyes, and you just, you know. So, but I, but I truly enjoyed it. So for me, it's that's my way. Mm-hmm. You know, other people's way is maybe they just prefer just being head coach. That's it. Yeah. And speaking of uh, more of your player career, um, you moved from mm-hmm. uh, from the Netherlands to play in Qatar to the Qatari scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. The Middle Eastern style is quite fascinating to me. It reminds me of the Liga MX. It's kind of like technical food. You know, crossed balls open for mobile possession, dribbling, mm-hmm. appealing to the eyes. Um, yeah. As you as a defender, um, it was difficult for you to adapt to this kind of game. Like back in your early games, you can tell me more about no. this. I mean, no. I mean, I mean, the Middle East is for sure different. It it's, is. It's even different to the Liga MX. It's like it's like where it's like you basically have um, you basically have four mm-hmm. uh, uh, professional players. Mm-hmm. Like the rest are local players, but they're guarded local players they are not guarded as professionals, mm-hmm. like if it makes sense. So you have four professionals. One is always from Asia mm-hmm. and the other three can be from anywhere around the world, mm-hmm. you know? So, and with that said, you basically are those four players that are played at the higher level and the others are local, but there's some also qualities in them. But the reason why they don't call themselves professionals, some of them aren't. You know, because Qatar is a very small world, you know, and some of them are Qataris and they're already rich. So playing the game is more like a hobby. So when training starts at six, you will have somebody that is coming in six uh, twenty. I get to you know? I, get, I get to see the the Qatari team because they were yeah. uh, invited for the Copa America in two thousand nineteen. Mm-hmm. They they, they, they seem they seem like a solid squad and they're gonna be invited to the Euro. So it seems like they're taking the what's no, next to the World Cup definitely very serious. No, hundred percent. You know that it's. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the biggest uh, footballing country, mm-hmm. but for them having a uh, World Cup is an exposure and um, for, the, for, the, for the best game in the world. And they want to showcase uh, mm-hmm. their country, their footballing. But yeah, it's totally different, man. It is, it is, 
for me as a defender, I enjoyed it because uh, you you get to play against some of the best strikers, you know, yeah. sometimes in the world. Like uh, I played against Zima, Zirabarto, um, Lisandro who was at the uh, Olympic. Um, Olympic uh, Lyon, mm-hmm. you know, uh, at the at the time that I was playing uh, when I was 2011, you kind of had Kader um, uh, Keita, who also was very non well known. Uh, Ivorian who played World Cup, who played all these uh, players. So it is it is it is a league that um, had a lot of uh, ex professional from good leagues coming in, you know. But also you also there to pick up a paycheck. To be honest, so, uh, <laughs> so it's not like you're there to play against against Sunday. To be honest, you know you train evening time, but also life is good, you know. So you have nothing to worry. It's like you go in the morning, you go jet ski. Afternoon, you go play games, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. and and you get paid money. So who am I to complain? <laughs> Doing what you love. And speaking of good players, as you mentioned in in that league, um, mm-hmm. one of the peoples to me, like the people's MVP. Even if he didn't win, it was Marco Bustos, uh, mm-hmm. one of your squad. He described yourself as a bigger brother because you guys have a, a, that, that deep connection. You guys are friends, and, and on the pitch, like you guys were mm-hmm. former teammates, and now yeah. you are his manager. Can mm-hmm. you tell us more about that bond that you have? You know that that because uh, he he's he, he he's now in your squad, and he he's mm-hmm. a good friend of you, and we all know. The quality of Marco has, and we know yeah. that the sky's the limit. I know that that kind of guy could be even better than he is now because he's unreal yeah. in the pitch. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell us uh, what, um, how you know that kind of bond that you guys have, and what kind of uh, support that you give, like, and that extra motivation to play to player? Because it seems like you guys have like a solid squad in the island uh, games. No, we do have a solid squad, but um, mm-hmm. my bond with Marco is uh, dated since um, what well, it's been now six uh, six years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's six years that I've known him, and uh, when I first saw when I first time saw him, I was a little chubby kid with a lot of talent. You know, he was uh, he was that's what too he much was. Chilean you know, empanadas. <laughs> oh, too much, man! The cheeks were coming out. You know, a little you know a little belly. He had a little belly. So for me, for me, for me, the talent was never a problem. You know, uh, watching him, you know, when you see talent, and talent is talent. You know, yeah, but. There's more to the talent. That's what I always say. And at that time, that's not what he totally realized, you know. And me, he knows that in me, I mean, I'm a straight shooter. You know, I'm not going to uh, lie to you or praise you just because everybody's praising you. For me, you got to do more, you know, for me to for me to truly praise people. So for us, it, it has always been a big brother relationship because um, I always knew he had the quality. But also, you got to do something with your quality. And what he was doing at that time, maybe I was a little bit too harsh on him, but I just believed in him that he could be better than what he was actually showing at that time, you know. Mm-hmm. As an 18-year-old, you know, he you know, he thought the world was under his feet, you know, walking around, didn't want to do much, you know. But until, um, until like, ending of season, when I, you know, mm-hmm. me as a 36-year-old, I look at him, he was in the freezer room, I go, listen, mm-hmm. I'm going to bet you money, I'm gonna bet you money that I'm gonna come next year fitter than you. All right, I'll bet it's 200 that I'll be fitter than you. Cause right now, honestly, you are a little fat chubby kid, you know. And and for me, it was it was just to see the reaction. It was more for me to see the reaction. What will he do next year? Is it it will take it to heart or not? And if he didn't take it to heart, then I will know. All right, then there's not much I can do to help this kid because he don't want to change his attitude. 
but the fact that he he was he he was pissed that I called him a little fat fat little chubby at the time. You know, it was it was really pissed, and that motivated him. And that for me, that was when I knew. All right, he was willing to change his diet. He was willing to change his lifestyle. He was willing to take more of control of his own life and become that player that he needs to become, because otherwise he would have been a lost uh, talent. So, so when he went away, he was uh, he was now he took it. He started calling the sports scientists at the time at Whitecaps, who was, who is now at the Golden State Warriors, uh, mm-hmm. Rick Celebrini. You know, and he was on him, like uh, asking him questions, how to get better with the diet. And he was training hard. And me, I was just, I was in off season. I was just always relaxing. You know, I was, I'm, you know, I, you know, I'm 36 years old. So what I will do is I will just go run around a little bit, take a, like, take a picture and say, Hey, look what I'm doing. Like said, I'm running five, 10 Ks. <laughs> and then, you know, and then I'll be at home, you know, and then I, you know, then I'll open the pool. And I'll put my legs inside the pool, you know, just to show him I'm recovering. You know, I'm taking it. It's winter time, you know, just finding ways just to get into his head more mm-hmm. of of making him understand. For me, it was more to make him understand. Listen, the work that you're doing is nobody doesn't see. The best work is when nobody's not watching. You know, That's it's easy the, to yeah. say, "Oh, look what I'm doing like this," but the best work, and you want to prepare yourself, is when nobody's looking because that's the true work of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is only between you, right? You know, so that's what I tell them always. Like the competition and the best work is you. Mm-hmm. It's nobody else. Because when you're gonna look at your, when you're gonna look at the mirror, you're not gonna see me. <laughs> I'm not gonna be behind you in the mirror. It's just gonna be yourself. It's a reflection of yourself. Yeah. So that guy that is looking in the mirror, if he's not doing the work, he's not gonna do. The mirror is not gonna lie. The mirror is just gonna show it to you. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he came back fully fit, ripped and everything. He crushed the yo-yo test, everything. And uh, and for me, I consider that, okay, now that I've penetrated his mind, now it's up to him to, to, to showcase his quality. Because uh, a, a lot of these, yeah, the newer generation, let me say the newer generation is like, because we all grew up in a different generation, you know, uh, with the... Uh, uh, with different uh, teaching points, mm-hmm. you know, ours was uh, our parents how they grew up. No complaint, just go to work, nine to nine, working, you know, hustling, bustling. So we grew up with that mentality. But now this generation, they grew up with the with the technology age, yeah. you know. So so you have to use different methods you to get into their heads. You know, maybe it's like for them, it's like Instagram. If they get hundred likes of Instagram where they show their abs, they're like, hey, okay, maybe this is working. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or they're working out and they post it and some say, but why are they posting their workout? But for me, it is, it's the other side. He's at mm-hmm. least working out. <laughs> you know, he's at least working out. You know, so, so that but you, you said see. it's the workout that they don't see, you know, and it's I think like that, that they don't see. and but that advice, I think also works for life, not only for mm-hmm. football. It, it, it can yeah. apply for, for every stage in your life. But that's why for me, I always tell them, I'm like, guys, um, uh, football teaches you life. Life teaches you football. Because once you leave the other one, you are a normal person. You only play football for max two hours. That's And that's all you do. But then you have 22 hours of the day. Maybe eight of those, you sleep. So what you do with the other 16? Right? You're still going to live like a normal life. So the, don't believe in the bubble. The bubble of football life is temporary. You know, it maximizes everything you got to maximize when while you're in the bubble but still don't forget to be human. You know, we, you're still going to have the same problems that a normal human being is having, you know? 
But if you don't learn about adversity through the sports, how are you going to tackle adversity in life? <laughs> you know, and those are the things that what my teachings are. And we develop a truly a bond that goes beyond football. You know, for me, it's 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 the respect. He understands I'm his coach, you know, uh, and he's my player, but also I see him as my little brother. So I will give him advice when advice is needed. So with, and that's with my, all my players, you know, because for me, it's the person is bigger than the player, you know, and for me, that's, that's my way of coaching and teaching. Like if I need to get the best of Carlos or Anthony, I need to know how you guys are as people, you know, I, the game is the game. You know, when you have talent, I, your talent will always outshine, you know, when you're on the pitch. But if I don't know how to trigger you as a uh, person or speak to you at the human level, I will be never able to get you guys, uh, uh, how you say it, uh, talent out for the world to see. And that was what I was able to do with Marco. And, uh, and you know, and teaching is always constant, you know. And uh, for them, sometimes you try to explain to them and they cannot see it, you know. But you want them to experience it. That's why sometimes my teaching is not to tell them, oh, if when I did this, but it's like, all right, I've experienced something similar, but you allow them to go through it. And then when they understand it, now they come back. Now, the biggest thing is now they gain their experience in their own way, but they can relate to you. And for me, that's where the, that's where is the finish. Uh, like that's where the fascination comes with me having a bond with players but with Marco yeah quality is quality man so uh, he's like a little brother to me and I have many of those in like in football you know so for me it's always helped them get better because I was happy to play for 20 years so if he can play for that and enjoy his life and uh, become the best player he can become uh, get money because also by the end of the day that's what it is and also create a legacy for him mm -hmm. I mean that's all I want for my all, all my players. Fair it's, enough. Did did you uh, did you give them the two hundred dollars? No chance. <laughs> no chance. No chance. No chance. So 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 uh, just going back on your career like a little bit. He, you, you played. But he's still, but but he's still asking for it. I'm like, no I'm, like, I'm not paying you two hundred for motivating you. I'm like, you should pay me. You should pay me. You should be the other way around. Love it, love it. So so you played you played in, you played in Holland for. Road to JC for like seven years. Yeah. How has the like the Dutch game was world famous for it being all like very technical and it's all about like yeah. passing the ball. How has that influenced mm -hmm. your your philosophy as a as a coach? Oof. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's I mean that's one of the biggest influence that I had playing in Holland. It's just it's just that for me the the Dutch game teaches you a lot about the technical and the tactical side of the game. It's like about the space, man and ball, you know, which is the game. So so being around coaches like Hoop Stevens, who's a, who's a coach for Schalke, you know, uh, not only him having uh, Alain Pirin when I was in Qatar, you know, who won the league in uh, uh, France with uh, Lyon. So having those coaches uh, was a huge value to me because I'm a very curious guy and I like to ask questions and I like to know what is really going on, you know, why they set up a system, why you do that. So I think sometimes they were very annoyed uh, with me because I could see sometimes their face like, why don't you just go play the game? Why are you asking me questions, you know? But also for them, it was kind of fascinating to have me just asking questions, you know? And uh, so 
whenever we talk tactic, I could see that they could kind of know, all right, when we're on the pitch, okay, we have an extra coach on the field that will be probably be helping the teams and uh, helping teammates put them in position. So for me, for me, being in Holland, you know, you play against fantastic teams, you know, play against great players like Welben, Slatan, uh, you know, uh, all of this. When... When when Dutch football was at the top, you know, so those were the type of caliber player that I was going against, the Luis Suarez of this world. So when you're going against those type of players, it also helps you as a trader. So so you grow and the way that the game was played, you know, you learn so much in the Dutch game about uh, spatial awareness, uh, technical ability, how to pass the ball, movement on and off the ball, awareness. And uh, sometimes that was the Dutch downfall. You know, because as much as they were very good at that, but the will to win, they didn't confine with that game. It's all about playing beautiful. But for me, yeah, play beautiful, but there's an end product to it, right? So the end product is what? And the end product for me have always been win. That's why we play the game. Why, why? We, we're not playing this game for anything else but to win. So, so, okay, we can play nice, we can play all of that, but then if we turn around and we lose 4-0, what? But if if we lose 4-0 playing the way that we wanting to play, is all right, because for me, there's never defeat. There's always learning, right? And then that's why the brave, like the bravery to, to play. Like, you'll never see a team that is going to the Amsterdam Arena or anywhere just change their tactics suddenly just because they're facing Ajax. Because I even remember we were playing in, we were going to play in Ajax, and then the head coach um, uh, who took over Hip Stevens, Atterfeld, who played in Everton, England, he just he just called uh, us defenders. He goes, all right, and you come to the meeting. We go, all right, what is going on here? He goes, all right, we're playing three at the back. He said, all right, I'm gonna, so we are, we're facing Ajax. We're playing three at the back. Uh, pa, you're playing against Suarez, so you will man-mark him. Uh, our other centre-back, you oh. playing against uh, Al- Albert, Albert Luque. If you guys remember Albert Luque, who played for Newcastle and Mallorca. Yeah. All right, you taking him. And uh, our other centre-back, you are with Klaas um, uh, Jan Huntela. And then and then and then it's like and then it's like three four three. You know, we play three four three with a diamond in the middle, and it goes in the in the Amsterdam arena. I'm like, okay. And uh, he's like, and he goes like, any questions? We just go no. And then uh, we just went, and actually it was a great game, and uh, we tied them into halftime. But then uh, we conceded just right before halftime, and that kind of pissed us off and messed us up. But uh, those things are the things that you take with you, bravery, because it was the game, right? And uh, asking asking people now to go play Suarez 1v1, I don't think many will actually <laughs> actually enjoy it. But those were the things that me, I enjoyed. I mean, if you go back to Holland, don't tell you. I, I love, for me as a defender, there's nothing better than playing 1v1. It's like, it's just me and you. Like, there's nobody else. It's like me and you. So, nobody's going to hide. If you fuck up, you... Oh, sorry. Oops. Oh, you can cross. It's fine. <laughs> That's all right. Stay on the pub, man. You can say these things. Let's go. <laughs> if, you, if, if you mess up... Mess up. Yeah. If you mess up, it's, it's clear. It's you and him. So, there's nobody looking at somebody else for excuses or stuff like this. It's you, buddy. You know, it's clear nine day, you know. So those things, are, uh, for me, I truly enjoyed it. But the game in Holland, I mean, for any young player, it's it's the best place 
to develop if you want to go to Europe, it is the best place because they play you young. It's because of the philosophy that they have, the country, the philosophy is playing young. So that's why when I look around in the CPL and and with the philosophy of our team, is like, why not play them young? Because people don't speak about experience, but hey, hello, experience comes from what? Experience has nothing to do with age. For me, that's the first thing that people forget. Ah, experience, yeah, but were we born with experience? No, we have to gain experience. <laughs> Everybody is gaining experience. You're not born with experience, right? But you gain it, and that's something that you have over time. So when something new occurs, you know exactly how to act. So that's why for me, when people say, oh, but the play is not experience, I always laugh because uh, the person that's telling me my question to me will be, well, are you experienced then? All right. And where did you get your experience from? In the game, right? You know? So, in the game, so, so that's why you got to play them young. So, so um, I, I, as we've talked earlier, I mean, you played in like some of the best leagues in the world. Um, coming into the CPL, which is which was only a year old when you came in, <clears throat> how impressed were you with the way that they've set things up here in in Canada? I mean, it's good because why it's good because it's built, it's the new league. Like people's expectation is is what that they because they have MLS, so the CPL is MLS. No, it's not. But do people understood that it took MLS 25 years to be MLS, <laughs> right? So people in Canada, be, be proud. Be happy that there's a league in here. Support it. Why? In six years, there's World Cup coming in here, right? There's World Cup coming here in Canada. That is a huge moment because it will exactly be 40 years since World Cup, Canada was last in World Cup. That's 40 years ago, 86 World Cup. So That's that is crazy. huge. That is huge. So, and and it's not better time than to have your own league, develop your own league, which all these teams are doing. And you take Forge, who are fantastic in the Champions League, you know, who are fantastic in the Champions League, right? So that shows me that there's, for me, I see a lot of great talents in Canada. So when people tell me, ah, there's no talent in Canada, I go, well, the last two young Canadians, they were signed for over 60 million. So what are we talking about? All right. So, so you know, and talent is everywhere. Talent is in Ontario. Talent here is on the island, you know, here on the island. Because on the island, some of the best players that played for Canada in the 86 World Cup was actually from here. George Pecos headed the ball for Canada to go to World Cup. He's, he's on this island. Right. Ian Bridge is from this island. Steve Nash is from this island. So, you know, who also played soccer, played basketball, but there's talent. Even in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, there's talent. So for us as coaches, it's our job to make sure that we can show or showcase this talent. And we can only showcase the, this talent through the CPL, which is a great platform for young Canadians. That's why sometimes uh, I see every year everybody, yeah, Europe, Europe. I'm like, uh, do you guys know to these young players, you know you have a, a league in your country, huh? Why don't you try to dominate that league before you can think about going to Europe? Because it's not as easy as it sounds, huh? And many of you are just playing in the academy, but there's academy, there's professional football. There's two different things. <laughs> the, you know, real and I think the real game. And I think many of these kids nowadays doesn't realize it. They just think, oh, yeah, more. I'm in the Academy of Whitecaps, Toronto, or Montreal. Why? What is CPL? Like, for me, it's like give CPL the respect because it's still an upcoming league. 
and a league that uh, not now because don't be sh- short-sighted but in a couple of years is going to continue to grow and you could all now see it on the island games you can see the quality of the games that is getting better you know you see uh, last year calvary dominating you know uh forge dominating the final you know people there was there was uh, a rivalry in the final and that's what you want to create you want to create those and this year as well you know it's heated and and the league is going to grow. Me, I have faith that this Canadian league is going to continue to grow and become something uh, big. But it has to be done with the right proper steps. You know, we don't need to, when we are in step one, we're not going to jump into step three and four. No, you have to take step two. <laughs> you know, you have to take step two. Try a normal, normal step process, you know. And that's why, like, I look at MLS and you, you think of MLS 1996. They're taking, uh, they're taking penalty kicks to determine the game. <laughs> Yeah. They're taking penalty kicks to determine the game. From the halfway line, they would run down the pitch. From the halfway line. <laughs> like hockey. Exactly, right? Like hockey. <laughs> to determine the game. So that, means that, so that means that the game has come far for them. While now they're spending millions to create facility, to buy a team. You know, everybody want to go in. So it's a, it's a process and a progress, you know. But for me, that's why when I look at the, the CPL, you look at some of the best Canadian players. They, they, they didn't have the chance to play in Canada. So you, you so you take our owners, Rob and Josh, right? Rob Friend and Josh Simpson. <laughs> they played their uh, football career outside. They never played it in, uh, like in the CPL, right? But imagine now you have young players playing in the CPL and go on to represent Canada in 2026. How fantastic and, uh, and, and amazing is that? You know, and for me as a coach, it's six years time. So if we can develop young players to be in that squad, that will make me the happiest man. How many bets are you going to make to do that? Because you're betting two hundred dollars to lot motivate them. <laughs> it's a lot of money <laughs> to develop them making bets of two hundred dollars. <laughs> if they make it, if they make it, the bet switch because the bet will switch. Is if you make the team, just give me a signed shirt, jersey. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> So, so you always gotta be ready to switch the bet. You know, you always gotta be. You always love it, gotta love be it. ready. So, so, so for um, for Marco, like, how important was it for for you for the for next season to get him signed and get him to to come back next year on on a new contract? Oh, Marco is locked for life with me, unfortunately. So, <laughs> so he so so he has no say. <laughs> No, no, but no, no, but jokes aside, he's um, uh, I mean, he, he, uh, you know, and he's 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 at a stage of his life where for him it's now about um, team glory because the individual glory comes through the team glory, so that's why for him now it's about okay, how do I get better every single day? And for him, he's so locked in, it's like that all, all the talks outside of everything else, it doesn't matter. For him, it's about, okay, how, how can Marco Bustos function in this Pacific team and drive it forward? And how can the Pacific team with the players that we have around it help him so that he can become the best player that he can become, you know? And, and one is creating the best environment for a player like that, you know? And in our environment, in our club, that's what James Merriman, uh, James Merriman and I are trying to do. We're trying to create a... A different culture here where players we know that when they come here is to excel so that they can move on further in their footballing career you know so uh, so, so far as it's not uh, 
it's not about the quantity, it's about the quality that you have and you bring in so that they can push the culture and drive the standards high. You know, so for us, it's about building and we name it step by step, you know. There's some, there's, there's Marco Bustos, but also we want to create and produce some other Marco Bustos underneath him because if we can do that, if he leaves, that set us up as a club, then you know, all right, in a year or two, okay, Marco is gone, okay, next man up, you know, and can we can we produce the two, our Wave Academy that we are building where James has put a lot of uh, time and effort in, you know, to create the academy so it can line up with the first team, you know, and this is only year one, but uh, uh, thanks to the pandemic, we also got a lot of stuff done, you know, because you can look at it two ways, you know, yeah. ah, it was a pandemic, it was not a season, but on the other hand, for me, I look at the pandemic, I say it's a blessing because it also gave us time to focus on all the aspects of the club to build it and to see, okay, what can and what cannot be done because sometimes during difficult times is also when you see a clear pathway, you know, at times in life. So for us to have that and, uh, you know, and develop that, that was, no, you know, that's why for me, when people tell me, I'm uh, as a head coach, tough, first year, I'm like, no, I'm grateful. Because for me, the learning that I did during the first year, ah, you, there's no chance we're going to get another pandemic. A knock on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> knock on wood. You know, but knock on wood. You know, knock on wood. Something like this, knock on wood. You know, but if it happens, you are prepared. You know, we are prepared for it. We are ready to go on. You know? So it's a great lesson, man. That's why I say every, everything in life for me is just about the lessons. Lessons wow. get better. There's, there's, there's no time to feel sad for you because life, life don't have time for you. You know, life goes on. There's 24 True. hours. Either, either you make the 24 hours or not. It's just... Just simple as that. <laughs> Amazing. It's, away, Carlos. <laughs> it's true. And, and speaking of good players, um, you guys have now Manuel Aparicio. He, mm -hmm. He's a tremendous player. And I think there's going to be a big threat watching him mm -hmm. and, and Marco Bustos and, mm -hmm. and, you know, and Campbell and Diaz mm -hmm. and Blasco. And mm -hmm. you guys have uh, a lot of individual players that works mm -hmm. perfectly in the collective mm -hmm. squad. Um, what should we expect for Pacific in 2021 when we have a new oh. season? What, what, what the, 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 the island fans uh, down there in Victoria, mm -hmm. all the Pacific yeah. supporters should expect of this uh, Pacific team for 2021? Because you guys did it amazing in, in the online games. Uh, I, I want to know your thoughts on what, could, uh, what went wrong, which I don't mm -hmm. think like it was just like it was just a tournament, a short tournament. But, you know, it's football, right? things happen yeah. uh, in a knockdown group, mm -hmm. stuff like that. And also, what should, what should they expect for, for 2021? Because it, it looks like a great squad, and, and I think it's going to be one of the top contenders for, for 2021. Thank you for the pressure. Okay. <laughs> no, for us, um, no, for us, no, for us, it is, uh, it is, uh, it is always uh, together with the ownership, with Rob, Josh, uh, James, and myself. It's always about okay, how do we get the club better, right? Okay, year one was not what we expected. Okay, year two was okay. How do we get better, right? And then you go into the tournament, um, and then you, 
and that's what I say. Like the tournament was the best scouting place. Like if you look at it, like everybody talking about pandemic, but for me, I'm like, all right, I get to scout all the players. You know, I don't need to go anywhere. I'm going to stay in a hotel and I'm going to scout all the players. Right? There's nothing better than that, right? So you can see them when they're walking around in the hotel. You mm -hmm. get to see their character. Mm -hmm. You get to see them when they're playing against you or, or the team. You know, so you basically around each other 24-7. So it is the best place to just sit and scout and just observe players and see who will fit into your squad and who will not fit into your squad. So for me to be able to do that, and that's one of the reasons that you that, that I saw Manu. Right? You look at Manu and seeing him last year because even 2019 I was following the league because I was very curious about what the league and how he would look like, you know. And to see him at York, captain, a very technical, gifted uh, midfielder, you know, who can add goals in his game, assist, and also who is very tenacious, you know, who doing both sides of the ball, which is now is a modern-day midfielder who is doing both sides of the ball. You know, there's no more anymore that luxurious player that they own. You know, now it's 11 players attacking and defending together. So seeing him uh, firsthand in, uh, you know, walking in the category, uh, in the, the lobby, walking, just seeing how he's act, you know, you can tell that he's like, he, like he has a great character. You know, he, he's, he's a captain material who cares about his teammates, you know, and who will fight for his team. But when he's, uh, when he's on the pitch, he will do anything to win. You know, he's like, he's, he's a winner. Yeah. You know, even whatever he needs to do to win, he will do it. And for me, those are the players that also we need because we have um, we have very good players, but also we need those type of players because that will take you to the next level. And when you look at in CPL, he's one of the best midfielders. So for us yes. to be able to get him, that is that for us, we felt that this is a correct step moving in the right direction, which is ultimately trying to win a championship. You know, that's why we play this game for. Mm -hmm. You know, so, uh, but on paper, we look very strong and very solid. So I have full confidence in my squad going into 2021, you know, uh, but we don't know what the world holds in 2021, you know, True. it's not in our hand, but the only thing we have in our hand is, can we be ready for the season? Can the boys with their health, right? No injuries, no health. Everybody is ready. And then you can go and you can take it from there. But we all know during the season, they're going to be out of forms. They're going to be uh, injuries. They're going to be all of that. But it's going to come down to, okay, the strongest squad that is the togetherness and the family. And that's what we create here. You know, that's why we brought everybody back because we don't, we didn't see the reason to, to scrap the team because to create a team that is eventually going to win, they need time together. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not after one year, then you dissolve everything, is it? but then you're just rebuilding, rebuilding, rebuilding. Mm -hmm. You need to create stability, For you sure. know, because like, uh, I am a dead Liverpool fan, right? It took us 30 years to win again the league, mm -hmm. right? It took us 30 years, but it took us 25. That's the better way to say it. It took us 25 years because Klopp in five years is when he won it. But you have to look at the steps that he made. It was with the same players. He just added one or two every year to get the uh, strong, but the core group was the same. So when you have that stability in your core group and you add pieces, you add pieces like Manu, which was a, which for me is a player that we in our midfield is the type of player that we need, you know. And because he can add goals, he can do both sides of the ball, 
you know, you can assist in him, you know. So when you add that, then you have already the pieces that we have in uh, uh, Blasco, for me, one of the best uh, left wings in this league. Mm-hmm. Bustos, uh, MVP for me. You know, I'm not being biased, but I'm just stating it's- the facts of the, uh, of the stats. We award him and, in, in down the park yeah. with IBP award. You know, so, <laughs> you know, so and then you have Diaz, who no. maybe not uh, not a oh, lot of people actually look at him. But you're talking about the guy who played for Club America. You do not play for America, Club America, if you're a shit player. Simple as no. that. You do not play for Club America. You do not play 50, 60 games for Club America if you are a shit player. That, that, that's just the reality of it. We all know it, yeah. right? And you don't go win Champions League. He just don't win. And the and the crazy part, like like we talk about, we talk about scouting. The very first time I saw Diaz was in 2015. Wow. <laughs> it was 2015 when I first saw Diaz. They played against uh, Canada on the 17th, right? Amazing. Him, him and uh, Erwin Lozano, you know, wow. Erwin Lozano. He Chucky. played all of this. Chucky. Chucky Lozano, who was at PSV and now in now. So that was the first time I saw Diaz play. And That's then when his name got brought up, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember this guy. So this, you know? is, this is great because, um, so, you know, like all these additions, I'm sure that you guys are going to do good. So you're basically telling us that having Man, Manu and, and Marco Bustos together is like having Messi and Luis Suarez, you know, drinking no mate in the bus. <laughs> no chance. No, 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 no. No, no I just, just having kidding. Marco Bustos, having Marco Bustos and Manu is like having Marco Bustos in Manu. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. And then, then, then you have the Canadian Hawk in there. You know, he, he, you have T, you have Taron Campbell in there as well, who is a uh, who is, who's great for me. player. Great very player. good player, very good player, and I know people say, "Yeah, but uh, he didn't, he didn't do anything on the island game." From our perspective, as a team, he did everything we could ask him to do. Mm-hmm. Every single game, he gave us what we asked him to do, and that's what I always said. Uh, okay, he didn't score the goals he wanted to score because one thing people don't know about T is he actually do put a lot of pressure on himself to succeed. Even though he's that very uh, like introvert guy, doesn't speak much, but he's very he tenacious on the pitch. He is somebody that want to win. He's somebody that put pressure on him, so we could see also that he was wearing a, he was wearing on him a little bit, you know. But at least he scored in the tournament to give him a satisfaction of all right, I still got it, you know, because mm-hmm. the expectation of scoring eleven, expecting to score more, and then pandemic hit, and then okay, you have to reset yourself as a person, you know, it's not easy. You know, and then people think, oh, but they're athletes. No, we're normal people. <laughs> you know, we are normal people. We just play the game for two hours. That's it. Yeah. But we're going to go through the same problems in real life that all the people going to go through. Mm-hmm. Right? We're not superhuman. You know, so he went through it, but nobody could see it because they all see Terrence the player. You know, but for him, it was that why it's great to have him, Diaz. I mean, for me, it's like two strikers that uh, I can play them together. I can play one. The one can come in. So we have a lot of options, which all is the, great. All the you know? options and pieces. And speaking exactly. of options, this is uh, my, my last one before before I pass it to Anthony. Every manager has his own style. You have mm-hmm. your own style. Um, Tommy Wildo has his own style. Bobby Simeone, Stephen Hart has his own style. Um, mm-hmm. As a manager... Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know you develop your own style, but always you have kind of like um, you admire different managers. Which one is your biggest inspiration as a manager? Internationally or could be no, I've, domestic? I've enjoyed everybody. I've, uh, mm. For me, I've uh, like every coach that I've had, I've learned. Like I've learned, I've watched them, studied them, learn what they're doing, their type of uh, football, they want to play philosophy. Is it a counter football? Is it, uh, is it attacking football? Is it possession football? Because the game is still the same. For me, the biggest lessons that I've taken is results. <laughs> it's like it's like results. Because, uh, I mean, I always say the copy cannot be better than the original. <laughs> we'll never have, we'll never will. So for me, it's always about developing what I believe in. Because... Again, that my time of playing is not the same as this time playing, right? Definitely. Right now, this this generation is visual. Everything is visual with them, right? With us, you could explain to us, and we could and we could figure it out. And they still do, but that doesn't make them less smart or less thinking. Now it's actually they get more smarter because they actually want to see it to understand it, comprehend it, and then go. Right, so there's different uh, version of how you want to look at it. So for me, it's like, all right, I grew up in the old school generation, but I also had the pleasure to play in the new generation. So why not combine what I've learned in my old generation and combine what I've learned in this new generation and make it mine? You know. Mm -hmm. But uh, when you look at influence, I'm I'm influenced by the Dutch way of playing. You know, yeah. four three three with one holder building up from the back. You know, try to try to play attracting football because even though I was a defender, the people, a lot of people don't know this. By heart, I'm a midfielder because that's where I started my. Uh, actually, I started as a striker, but I was too short. You always go from to the back, right? Forward, forward, <laughs> forward, forward to the back. So I, so I was as a striker. I didn't have the height enough at the time when I was young to play. So I, so I kept playing midfield, which which was my position until one day. Uh, our center backs get hurt, and I just uh, and the and the, uh, and the coach put me back there, mm. and I got stuck. So 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 in national team I was playing center back, yeah. and in club football I was playing midfield. <laughs> so, so it gave me the appreciation of uh, playing both positions, you know. And so that's why for me it's it's I enjoy the ball because for me that's what football is about. And I've learned that when you have the ball, they cannot score. So why would you rather give away the ball? You know, true. Yeah, keep the ball trying to score. So I'm always fascinated by, by the game. You know, play the right way. You know, which is create, being, having, allowing players to have uh, creativity and, you know, and be themselves, express themselves. Because for me, that's what the game is about. Yeah, how do you express? How do you express yourself? And I want my team to express uh, themselves. You know, I am, I am influenced by. Um, by by myself but also what i've seen what football is you know i'm influenced by the old generations you have the uh the 56 of uh hungary with pushkas Sveden pushkas the way wow. they played the type of football you know and then you have um you have the uh, 50 you have the 58 with pele when when they were when they played 424 You know, when nobody uh, in Garincha, you know, freedom, Pele coming on a leader, you know, and then and then you have the 70 World Cup, 
you know, with Jorginho, Pelé, Tostao, all of Baba. these people, Baba. And then you have the 74 with the Dutch players where they play total football, you know. Neskins. And then Neskins, Cruyff, Kroll, you know, all of these people. And then you then you see 86, you see El Pipi de Oro, who comes and show the whole world what the difference is. One, one man win the World Cup, you know. One man win the World Cup. El Diego. Yeah, it, you know, God rest his soul, you know, but but so it's for me, it's constantly evolving because that's what the game is, you know. I evolve because I'm seeing, and, and like I say, I'm a student of the game. Like, I can I can see uh, a team on the eighth place and I will start and I'll watch, you know, and then I'll just watch it because it's just what it is. Because there will be something that I will see and learn or like. Even now, when I see our youngest team play, uh, there's there's something that I go say, wow, okay, oh look at that, oh maybe I will try to translate that into our first team, you know, some sessions that you take around. That, that's just that's just it is, you know, it's ever evolving. You watch, uh, you watch uh, Bayern Munich against uh, against Barcelona, right? You you, you want to talk about pressing? Oof. They press. They press the out of uh, <laughs> Barcelona. <laughs> Barcelona couldn't breathe. They suffocated Barcelona. They were right? present since, since, since the play landed. I guess that that match, but oh man, they, it was they just all here too. Them. It was here, but then yeah. you watch, and then you talk about one of the best teams when it comes to passing the ball, building out from the back, and For then sure. on the other side, I look at it, I go, oh wow. Do people see how physically strong and how uh, tactically alert these uh, Germans play were and how they bought in? All right, and then you see the other side of the game, which, all right, Barcelona technical and uh, technical. And then you see the German physical, technical, and then tactical. And they could run and they just overrun. They just overrun them. But they overrun them with skills. It was not just coming and power them, bully them. No, they, for me, they bullied them through technical football, you know? And then, and then that, that's the modern day. You look at Bayern, that is the modern day. Like the, you, you see Cristiano at the age of 35 still doing it and still one of the fittest players in the world. That is for me. So I am, I am influenced uh, of my surrounding, but I like to create my own. I just enjoy that. Fair enough. So, so um, obviously, during the, the Ireland Games, we had the emotional moment of the, the Black Lives Matter um, mm-hmm. uh, demonstration where all the players and the staff came together and MLS's back yeah. had their thing with the, taking the knee and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The yeah. problem with a lot of these kind of moments is, is that they get forgotten. Like, we move on mm-hmm. and we forget about why it was done in the first place with George Floyd and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So... so mm-hmm. As football and as people, I guess, like, what do we need to do to, to not forget like, and to make sure that the message is always resonating with people? Because uh, that, that's the thing that scares me about all this is that, you know, we, we all did, like, it was great to watch and it was, it was amazing and it was very emotional. But I'm just worried that it just goes out of people's mindset and then we go back to square one. I mean, that is a fantastic point that you bring up. And, like, and for me, that is... That is how it is continuous. It's you and I talking with it because you guys have a platform, right? So through your platform, can we talk about it? Can we educate people to what is it? 
right? It's about download education because it's 7 billion people in the world. We don't all know everything, all right? For sure, me, I don't know everything. So I want to get educated, you know, on everything. But on this particular matter, yes, I do know because I went through it, right? I went through those experiences, right? Okay, I didn't suffer much as George Floyd or the rest of uh, my African, uh, uh, African-American brothers, you know? But I've had s- similar encounters. I've been stopped by police asking me why I'm driving a certain car, right? I've been booed, being the only black man in, uh, in the national team, 10 white people and a dark man walking out of a uh, locker room and getting booed, being getting called monkey, is okay, right? So through those experiences, it builds character, right? But the biggest thing people have to ask themselves is, so why is my life okay, but a race is still fighting for their lives to matter? We're talking about human value. We're talking about human rights, right? It's 2020, and we're still asking for people to accept us, right? And me, I like to make a joke about it just to get people going, because sometimes to break ice, you have to make a joke for people to understand or start to think about it in a different way than what is always portrayed, right? You look at me, I'm black. My color is never gonna change. But Anthony, if you go to the sun, you become red. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Very true. (laughs) And and after a couple of days, your skin turned to brown. So who's the colored person then? very true i'm a rainbow <laughs> you know so my color always going to be the same so 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 i put it that way for some people but for me the matter goes beyond that for me the matter is we are fighting for something for over 400 odd years right we still fighting for the same thing and i know people are talking yeah about all lives matters no your life is good. You don't need to go out of the door worrying whether you will make it home. <laughs> you, 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 you're not being taken away from your own family, given a different name, working for somebody else, and you cannot still have your heritage. You cannot do anything. Your dignity, your soul has been stripped away from you. Right? So that's why I, when, when I posted it, my post, I put it, what if the tables were turned? What if we now just pick people from uh, US, Canada, just uh, England, wherever around this world, put them on a ship and just take them back to Africa and say, now, okay, you work for us now. We want to put you on the cotton field. Now, your name is not anymore uh, John. Your name is Abdu. Right? We strip everything off you. All right? All you got to do is work. And if you're not doing it right, I hang you. Oh, I shoot you, right? How can, like, and, and, and people may say, yeah, but um, uh, uh, before it's like, it always been there. But now we all can see it. So if we can see it, what can we do about it? And for me, it's educate. Let's you and I talk about it. Because if you don't know, it's okay to ask questions. I think that's, for me, the one of the most powerful uh, answers people can say is, I don't know. 
Because if you don't know, you don't know. And then it's our duty then to educate you because if you know, when you hear somebody else talk about it, you go, oh, but hold on. Um, I know a little bit about this subject. I can speak about it, you know? So if I educate you, you educate somebody else, that person educates somebody else, but we see the whole picture. The picture is we're still human. There's not a difference between you and I. There's no difference at all. You are a human being, I'm a human being, right? The only difference is you have your privilege, I don't, right? I cannot walk around my, I cannot walk out the house with my head free that I can go to the mall, come back. You can, I can't, because my worry is what happens if the police decide to stop me, right? That might be the last time I breathe, right? Can you imagine that? Like, and, and, and to live under that amount of stress is difficult for some people to understand because they don't live it, right? So those are the things that we're saying, that all we're asking is equality. The same amount that you think that, okay, uh, you take NBA or you take NFL. Who plays the NFL? Black people. Who play basketball? Black people. <laughs> All right. How many of them are actually uh, GMs or head coaches? Not very many. All right. How many... Can you count how many black coaches there are in football? Uh, I I honestly like that. That's the thing. I mean, like in in England, for instance. Like I mean, mm-hmm. like, I, I can't think of. Is there anybody in the Premier League? I, no, nope. I, I don't even think no. there is. All right. No, so the last one was Chris Hutton. Yes. Chris Hutton was the last. Jeez, right. that, that's like what four years and, ago, three years ago. Yeah, two years ago. So right now, you have me, Terry Andre, right? Uh, the Colorado Rapids uh, head coach. You have uh, Hank Frazier, that is in Holland. And you have Patrick Vera, who's now out of job. Beside the head coaches that are in Africa. But you cannot tell me that there's not enough uh, black coaches that may deserve a chance. Because for me, the best example is right now, there's the fire Slavin village. But who are they hiring? Some holidays. Right? So it has to be trickled down. Like, it's, it, people have to understand that there's no difference. We can do the work. So that's why in my position for me, is more about, rather than talking about it, I'm like, I can do the work. And, and the way I'm going to do the work is I'm going to put everybody together so we can collab, collaboration, right? If you put a black person into a, a situation, he can do it. But you also got to be brave enough to want to do it. And the perception is everything. For some people nowadays, perception is everything. And well, ah, it's the perception or how are people going to think, how are fans going to think. No, leave the perception out of the door. Can he do the job? Am I capable of doing the job? Am I going to make mistakes? 100%. I'm the first one to say I'm going to make the mistakes. All right? But I'm not making the mistake because of my color. <laughs> I'm making the mistake because of I'm a human being. And that's what human beings do. You make mistakes. Right? 
So that's why for me, it's more about people accepting that we are different. Right? It's like, it's like I say, I'm not going to change who I am. I'm black. <laughs> I am. My wife is white. And my daughters are in between, so they get the best of both walls. <laughs> they are black and they're white. They get the best of both walls. Right? So when people ask me, so what you teach them? I teach them to be human. I teach them to be a good person. I teach them to see everybody as a person. Don't look at the color. Look at the person. Because there's bad black people and they're very good black people. There are bad white people and they're very good white people. Right? I am in a position that I was given to by a white person. Somebody who I was living in Norway. He was in Canada. He come to Norway to play football. So you see again, we're united by the game. And the game doesn't see color. Right? The game doesn't see color. It's 32 panels, stitched up, add some air, we play the game. And if you don't have, put a sock, roll it, go outside, you play. Right? There's different forms to play the game. But racism is formed in the society by ignorant people. Ignorant people that are afraid and doesn't know. But the game itself has nothing to do with racism. It doesn't see no color. It doesn't. You and I are talking about football now. But also we talk about society. But you and I are here talking because of the love of the game. Yep. Because of the love of the game. It's nothing else. We can sit here and talk for hours about the love of the game. But you will never look at my color. But society will make you look at my color. Because when people talk about pandemic, racism is the biggest pandemic. And not even only for black people, but look, at, we now speak about America and all of that, but also let's look at the indigenous people in Canada as well. They suffered as well. They do. So for me, when people talk about Black Lives Matters, it matters to me, but also I have to make where am I right now? Let's not also forget that Canada also has had his fair share of that with the indigenous people, you know? That also matter. But sports now is at a stage where the athletes are now taking charge, which is the greatest thing. They are taking charge. So to your point is, obviously, we cannot let it die out. But it's always, for me, it's always about the action, action of educating, right? So when we see Paris and Jamar against, uh, against the Turkish team, I that they stop the game, walk off in unity, that's a start. PSG. That's, was that's a start, PSG. It was incredible. That is you. That, great. That, is, that is fantastic. And for me, that game should have never been resumed the day after. I think it should have been called a draw, right? Or giving both teams three points because of their walking off and showing solidarity to the game. Showing that this game doesn't tolerate racism because the game itself, it, the game, if the ball could have speak, the ball will tell everybody, I know racist because everybody can play me. <laughs> I'm not a racist. Everybody can play me. So don't bring that into me. So it's society. So when we change a little bit in society and the ways of society is thinking, we can eliminate a lot of stuff. Right? So... And history is written by who? 
It's not written by the people that suffered. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Never has. Never has. Right? So for me, I always say it's to us to go research our own history. And then you talk to people that have suffered. They will give you clarity. They will explain stuff. You know? So for me, that, that's why I get so engaged in this stuff because it's important. It's not about, it's not about the color of people. Like, let's not use this as an excuse, right? It's about the humanity. And, and to that, like I say, with Rob Friend, I played against this guy in three different countries. Can you imagine? Yeah. Three different countries. <laughs> he came out of college straight to Norway. We played against each other again down in Holland. Played against each other in MLS. He retires. I retire. He hires me as his coach. That's a bond. (laughs) Perfectly. But that has nothing to do with color. He's hired me because he thought I was the best to do the job. Him and Josh hired me. And, And James Merriman, who's my associate head coach, I've known him for five years. Like five years we share the same thought process of how the game should play. And that's amazing. And he was in Canada and I was living my life in Europe. Never in a million years, I would thought I would be living in Canada, having a Canadian kids. But that's the world, you know, <laughs> that is the world. So, so for me, it's, it's the difference between me and some other people is that I've experienced different cultures. And I always respect the different cultures that are coming. That's why I always make it a priority of mine to learn the languages. Because when I learn the language of the uh, country, that means that I am putting myself out there to be accepted to be one of them. I'm not coming in to say, well, I don't want to learn any of your culture. I don't want to learn. That makes me ignorant. Right? So that's why if I then come across against somebody, and for me as a coach, if I come against Arab people, I know how they are. I know that I might put the training session uh, not nine o'clock in the morning, right? And I know that sometimes uh, I'm I'm not going to go yell at him in the middle of everybody, you know, because uh, he will take it wrong, right? And if I'm talking to an African, I know how to talk to him differently, you know? If I'm speaking to a Canadian, we know they don't like confrontational. So I have to do it differently. So all of this is based upon your experience with people. But one bad experience doesn't make the whole experience the same thing. So uh, it is, we can, we can, uh, it's a conversation that, uh, I mean, it's, it's very important to go with everybody through life. But I think for now, it's more about let's continue educating one another. Right. Let's be open to learn from one another. Right. Let's 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 just open ourselves, show vulnerability when we don't know. Right. It's not a bad thing not to know. All right. Put your hand up and say, educate me. And then we all get better. When we all get better is. It's it's an amazing answer. And uh, I really really appreciate it because I've learned something just from that. So. Um, I really appreciate you. Uh, we all did. Yeah, so thank you so much. Uh, Carlos, do you have a, a last question there? Yeah, I have one question for you, Pa. Um, during, the Isle- <laughs> during the Island Games. <laughs> so, no like- more pressure. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I saw you like you had like great barbecue skills and you were like running for the whole team. Are you planning to open like a restaurant or something or you and Rob Friend are having like 
barbecue sessions talking about tactics and, and uh, what's the next, what's the thing about like the grilling? Because I saw in one soccer and it looked great, like uh, that, that chicken that you were doing. I mean, I mean, I mean, honest to you, <laughs> I was not even about to get on the barbecue. <laughs> I was not about to get on the barbecue. I only got on the barbecue and I don't want to throw him under the bus, but. Uh, I'm, I'm no, I'm not going to mention name. You know, then, 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 then people can guess. All right. <laughs> there was one person who was in charge of the grill the first time we grilled. Okay. And the chicken was dried, so there was a, there was an internal uh, complaining about chicken being dried and not done properly, and not having marinade and stuff like that. So, but give but. But I'll give the person um, credit because the person stood up and wanted to do it, you know? So, so for me, that's taking responsibility. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the bad thing is sometimes when you want to take responsibilities, when it doesn't go well, you're the fall guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the boys were not happy with him. So what it ended up being is, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go jump behind the barbecue and then... I'm gonna make a barbecue because I love to barbecue at home, you know? So, and my wife has a special sauce that she make and me and Jamar Dixon, who, who's also like to barbecue. So we were trying to figure out a um, way to make sauce. So we, you know, so we just use imagination, bring all the sauce together, you know, ask for- Put a lot some of love the, on that grill, yeah. <laughs> exactly, you know, put a little love into it, make it understand. So once, once me and Jamar got, uh, got underneath it and, uh, you know, start putting some little love and some magic to it. Uh, the boys got hooked. And when the boys got hooked, it was like, nah, now nah, I have to make it. And, and I was not standing there wanting to make it, but also to also for us, it was a bonding. It was a moment to show the players, like, I'm not bigger than you guys. All right. If I have to make you guys chicken and I, and I love to do it, I'll do it. You know, for, you know, for us, that's why we, we say we're a family. We're a big, happy family. Right. And so me and Jamal was behind the grill cooking us some chicken, you know, passing it over to some teams because even um, the Forge players got some and they were very happy with it. And they wish that uh, I could barbecue for them, you know. <laughs> so, Bobby, that was Bobby, a great thing with the Island Games. Bobby that was a great thing with the Island Games. <laughs> nah, no, no, that was a great thing with the Island Game, you know. You know, like to be honest, you know, this is a great experience. You know, it is an experience where, like I said, uh, the league did amazing, you know, and uh, there's memories for life. These are memories that you're going to cherish for life, you know, and that's 2020 for you. And that's why I say that when people speak about 2020, oh, and, uh, yes, everybody's going to have a bad year, everybody's going to have a bad experience, but there's always something to take away from it, right? Through Island Games, we were able to sign money. I appreciate Who knows if we would have signed him uh, without the uh, Island Games? He said that when he saw my barbecue skills, that drew him to the show. Hey, <laughs> hey he's, a, he's Argentinian. <laughs> They're big into their barbecue, uh, so we're, we're gonna, that's exactly. a big compliment. <laughs> we're going to send Stephen. Exactly. We're going to send Stephen Hart for some cooking lessons. <laughs> you know? Hey, by the way, I tell you, he's one of the greatest guys. Stephen Hart is one of the greatest guys. He got some one-liners. Oh my incredible. god. And that's it's why just... I call him uncle. I, I call him <laughs> uncle because uh, because for him it's like we just we just we just seen each other a couple of times before the island game. So so when we actually first time saw each other, he's like, oh, I thought you were a myth. 
I've been walking around and I've been seeing you. And he was like, he was, he was, he was like, he was. He has a, he's a dry sense of humor. It's amazing. He just comes out with oh, amazing he's, he's, little crackers oh, he's, like he's, every now and again. It's, it's, it's incredible. Yeah, he's, 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 so, he's unbelievable. He's, he's, so, um, yeah, he's been great. So we look forward to seeing the uh, the Pa Cookbook. Um, I'm sure it's going to be coming out next year. Um, we really appreciate you taking yeah, time. Yeah, if we win. <laughs> yeah. when, we, when we win. When we win. So hopefully we get to have a proper season next year. And the vaccine kind of does what it's oh, supposed yeah. to do. Um, we really appreciate you taking so much time out to hang out with us and talk. It's been absolutely amazing. I really, really appreciate it. Um, no, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Really. Enjoy the holidays. Um, and we, you as well. Hopefully, we'll get to see you in Halifax next year, buddy. Hopefully, man. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Thank you very much for having me. It was a great, was, was a great list. Enjoy it. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Stay safe. Right. An honor, Stay uh, and you're not allowed to take Thank any you. of our players, okay? Whoa. <laughs> Stick <laughs> no to your pressure. Leave us alone. <laughs> no, pressure. Care, buddy. no pressure. <laughs> All right. See I will sign off that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a million, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Thank Carlos. You. listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.